Look, I cannot stress how big a deal this is. The GLD ETF is now under attack, guys. They now have to keep printing all we crash. We've got this ticking time bomb. Talking gold, one and only, Andrew McGuire. Welcome to Live from the Vault. Welcome to Live from the Vault. My name is Shane Rand. I'll be your host for this episode and from the entire Live from the Vault team worldwide. We want to thank you for your continued support. And as you can imagine, the community keeps growing more and more every single week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, there's a lot to talk about during these historic times. And Andrew McGuire is in the house and we'll be talking gold, of course. This is going to be an amazing episode, so fasten your seatbelt. Now, Live from the Vault gives you access to information and updates that I'm telling you, you cannot get anywhere else, and this episode will be no exception. So just before we get to Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire, remember to please keep spreading the word about this channel by liking, by sharing, and hit that smash or smash, hit it or smash that subscribe button. Why is that? Because it really helps us reach even more people with these very, very important topics. And then while you're at it, hit the bell there if you'd like to be notified as these episodes go live. So hit the button, not now, do it right now. So with that, let's head over to the UK and talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Now, Andrew, so much has happened uh, since our last episode two weeks ago. And in fact, in our last few episodes, we've been focused on the main drivers that will accelerate the demise of the paper gold market. I'm sure the paper silver market, this process now looks like it's moved on to the front burners. And maybe you can start this episode with updating us in that area. Yeah, Shane, and it's great to be with you and everybody again. Um, yeah, I think it's always good, but the, the whole process, this has been a long battle. I mean, the last, what, 67, 68 episodes, we, we really, one of the big, the, the big, one of the big channels that we've been following is this war between the paper and the civil uh, and the uh, physical market. So let's put what is going on right now, which is accelerating this process into context, really. Um, and we can start by connecting the dots and, our, and if we go back to our March 9th episode, I mean, that's two, two episodes ago, I think it is, that captured the very day that Russia and Ukraine geopolitics escalated. Um, and we reported firsthand feedback from our very well connected liquidity providers who have strong ties to all the global markets that ahead of the sanctions, the Russian central bank had been buying up, if you remember, we talked about every single ounce of available physical gold, cleaning out immediately as well as uh, forward purchasing all local uh, Russian supply well into 2023. And not, not only did this keep Russian producers busy, but it telegraphed Russia is ulti its ultimate intentions, really, for employing the physical gold, um, physical gold to counter which they knew sanctions were coming. Perhaps they didn't anticipate the degree, but they certainly knew they were coming. Now, along the way, uh, we've, uh, along this process, we've, we've encountered, we've countered fake information. Uh, for, and, you know, for example, the likes of Larry Fink, who manages BlackRock, for example. And first thing they came out and said, along with Bloomberg and everyone, Russia will flood the gold market with gold and price would fall. 
Well, when the exact opposite was going to be true. And, and we said it, but the opposite was going to be true. And the first early clue back then that Russia was looking to back or replace the ruble with gold was the opening up of the gold market to its citizens. OK, small move, but it was a logical move. And two weeks ago, in the last episode, we reported as yet. Now, if you remember, we said they are unconfirmed but very credible reports of the commencement of the discounted oil for gold trade, exposing a very profitable, arbitrable trade, uh, you know, exchanging cheap EFP'd COMEX, you know, like when we talk about EFPs, we're talking about what flows out of the undeliverable COMEX into um, uh, paper, which is paper gold, into Basel III compliant spot gold. Now that was then, which is then converted to physical, outside the GLD flywheel, and we'll talk about that in a minute again, but which, uh, because the GLD flywheel is unallocated, um, which was then used to buy discounted physical oil that could be sold back into the global oil market for a profit. Now, due to the, to, to the requests, um, many requests, we'll look at that arbitrage trade closer in a little while, but the net result of this was incoming bullion into Russian central bank vaults. And there's a reason that it wasn't outflowing again. And this told us Russia's oil, gas, energy to gold rubles trade will accelerate a gold market revaluation. We talked about it last time. This is, this is really now underway, confirmed by Russia's formal announcement last week, finally linking the gold price to the ruble. Now, Andrew, uh, you talked about World War III not being played out as a hot war, but it would play out uh, in the gold market and force a revaluation um, that we've never seen anything like this before. And you'd mentioned that there were three things uh, that you were looking at that is forcing this revaluation. Can you talk about these three things? Yeah, Shane, now's the time. We actually have some meat on the bone. So let's take a look at that. And these three main things, Richie, which really, I mean, obviously there's a ton of information out there, but there's three main things to take away from the Russia invoking the nuclear gold option, as we called it. One is the formal launch of the Petro ruble currency linked to gold. So that, that's now been essentially, that is definitely underway. Uh, the second thing that we really focus on is the rising ruble benchmarked floor elevator has been placed under the global, the global gold price, sucking out paper market liquidity into the physical market. Now, that's, that's something that we've been waiting for for a long time, but is accelerating the process. And the third thing is really, uh, we've noted attempts by officials to intervene in the US dollar ruble uh, foreign exchange cross to try and tamp down uh, the gold price, uh, but how that's gonna fail. So essentially those, those, are the, those are the things we really look for because it is that exchange rate that actually determines the floor for the price of gold. Now the confirmation last week that Russia now formally prices its gas energy trade in rubles benchmark to gold comes on the back of the already active informal 30% discounted oil for bullion ruble trade. Um, and that's be become, begin, it's beginning to trigger yet unfactored physical gold arbitrage opportunities 
as it becomes recognized that the petrodollar will ultimately be replaced by the petro-ruble. Now, obviously, this is only the very start of this process. A lot of people will scoff at the idea, saying, well, there's no way that the petrodollar can be overturned. Yes, it can. And there are so many reasons for that. But, the, but you know, really, this is a process. But with everybody's uh, poker hand now played, it is actually irreversible. Now, the actionable arbitrage trade has been insignificant up until it escalated on Friday the 1st of April, uh, when Putin signed this irreversible mandate to only accept payment in, uh, in rubles or gold for its multi-billion dollar energy trade. If not, you were gonna not either not receive it or the price would be at a premium. Now, a formal announcement regarding oil and all commodities benchmarked to rubles and gold and its gold cross is guaranteed to follow soon. It, and and the, the rumor is, it, if it hasn't been done already today, it will be done very soon. Now, the trade is going on, but it's not formal. Now, the move actually sent a shot across the bow of the entire derivative heavy commodity sector. Now, the impact of this tectonic de-dollarizing shift, it's just not priced into the gold, silver or commodity markets yet. Um, and of course, uh, rallying the ruble exchange rate cross versus the US dollar is what's going to happen here. And it's going to elevate the peg gold for floor window. We'll look at that more closely in a little while. But geopolitics aside, stepping back, geopolitics aside completely, the gold, gold and silver were rallying before Russia uh, put a floor under the gold price. Now, the Russian central bank anchored a gold, the, anchored, the Russian central bank anchored gold floor is interesting as it's created a, this massive arbitrage opportunity to take the undeliverable leverage COMEX paper gold price, we talked about the EFP, how that then flows into the deliverable 10 times larger spot gold market to buy physical gold, to exchange with Russia for heavily discounted oil, and to sell the oil into the global market for at a massive profit. And we'll look at those numbers in a while too. But while this is just the thin end of the wedge, it's not small potatoes, as by Western buyers cutting themselves off from Russian oil, what it's done is raise the premium for physical oil sold by OPEC, uh, the OPEC, OPEC Plus, to an average of around 5 to $10 above the quoted Dubai benchmark price. Now, the joke is that the buyers of this premium priced oil are the same disingenuous buyers paying a premium to sanitize the Russian oil trade. I mean, this is a ludicrous situation. And let's just put some numbers on that ARP trade. Now, we're, we're recording this episode on Wednesday the 6th. Uh, Brent is at around 108 this morning, um, but liquidity providers holding rubles or gold, they can swap um, these rubles or gold for $75 oil. Uh, and for this example, that's a 30% discount or thereabouts, plus minus 30% to Brent crude for this. For this. I mean, obviously it can work for any of the oil markets, but to keep it simple, let's just look at Brent for the moment because we quoted that price. Now, following paper-centric selling after Fed comments yesterday, don't forget that Brainard came out yesterday. And what did we see? We saw this dip in this, this uh, bond yield spike, uh, the paper gold market start to sell. 
ignoring the fact there's a massive physical shortage. And so, um, so if we look at the, the, the actual benchmark, as that happened this morning, gold benchmark this morning, it was benchmarked at 1925 spot. Now it's moved up from, and down from there since, but, uh, and up again. But with the 30% discount allowed, uh, allowed the, it allowed the purchase of 25 and a half barrels of oil per ounce, right? So even if selling this sanitized oil back at market, not even trying to seek a premium, the next uh, round trip arbitrage profit per ounce, that creates an arbitrage profit per ounce of 800 bucks or thereabouts. Now, obviously this oil trade is generating tons of gold to be employed. We're talking about 800 bucks an ounce. Now, but here's the rub. This is the big rub. The gold that flows into the Russian central bank to pay for the, this oil, this is what it's doing. It's squeezed the physical market, sucked out paper market liquidity, and bolstered the ruble exchange rate, raising this 5,000 rubles to US dollar gold price higher. Now talk about a sanctions own goal. We talked about that kind of last time, but this is now formalized. Now look, the EU along the way, they foolishly boxed, them, boxed themselves in. They were foghorning on the main street. You know, they're never gonna pay for gas with rubles. But this poker glove is being called. Hungary today indicated it's caving already today. And with no back door and Europe imminently facing unfactored economic damage, if they don't get this energy, the Eurozone will be forced to back down again, albeit in a sanitized way. And that's the ludicrous part about it. They're gonna end up paying more. And when you start to buy oil from a different source, then you're gonna to need to refine it. It means, it means you've got to re-refine it and, and, and pay a premium because it's not the same oil. Now, energy buyers, and in the future, oil and commodity buyers are going to be forced to open Russian bank accounts to enable them to pay for energy in euros, US dollars, which are immediately sold to purchase rubles. Now, already we're seeing about a billion dollars of oil trade coming into to Russia every day. So 400 million of, um, of gas, gas flows. So really attacking the, the uh, ruble currency is actually be a hell of a lot more difficult than, than uh, is made out. Um, so, but the US is fighting tooth and nail, but it is Europe that is going to suffer the consequences so the deals will be done it won't be all on the same side of the table by the time the formal announcement on the 25th of march that russia had pegged the goal at 5000 rubles per gram um, had wakened the ruble the the, the, the the weakened ruble was at 103 before this announcement it was front run by no surprise by some very well connected arbitrages rallying uh, the ruble, a full 20 handle from its lows um, at 103 to 82.90 before the announcement. Now, currently it's about 81 and a half today and, and, and strengthening. And the same liquidity providers that telegraphed the ruble gold trade was imminent now factor that the energy swaps for ruble will raise the ruble's relative value to a minimum to 70. Now that's a big deal when you're when you're working out the valuation. Uh, that's a big deal when you're working out the valuation for um, uh, how to price U.S. dollar price gold based upon this floor. 
Now, we'll look at the gold price correlation to the ruble in a moment, but with a fixed 5,000 ruble per gram price formally locked in, a panicking paper-centric gold cartel laden with undeliverable short derivative bets, derivative bets against gold made the connection that gold price in, do in dollars is just grossly undervalued. Now, Andrew, I promised everyone at the beginning of the show this would be fascinating, and never did I think that we'd be talking about the ruble of all things, but uh, this is interesting. Now, how does all of this, these developments, uh, value gold, let's call it in the, in the short and maybe even into the medium term? What, do you, what are you seeing? Yeah, I think the first thing, let's, let's assess the first, the, first the, the, the fresh short term ranges, because a lot of people are, are trading this and want to know kind of where where the ranges are where where's best to get in and out and obviously if you're a stacker load up i mean honestly we, there's just no it's no discussion but there's a lot of people um using um uh, this kind of information information that you can gather anywhere but kind of melding all that information together to figure out well okay well where's the best places to be and and, and, and i'm not saying uh, i'm not telling anyone to take a trade what i'm saying is we need to look at the ranges so that you can make best informed decisions um but we must look at the heavily gamed um after non-farm payrolls which was last week uh, we look at that action to evidence really how officials are limited because normally in a situation like non-farm payrolls we would have seen a huge crash but they were limited as to what they can do to fight a tidal wave of outflows of paper market liquidity into a rising physical market floor. Now, with Russia having um, invoked the gold ruble nuclear option, it's become evident that officials are attempting to intervene in the US dollar ruble cross. But as we discussed in our last episode, the blowback effects from trying to fight an ongoing gold suppression war by selling paper gold into such strong physical demand and related supply shortages is just not factored in yet. It's not realized. It's not priced in. Instead, it's widened the cold window for sovereigns and central banks to exchange their debasing dollars for physical gold well below supply demand fair values. Now, officials have very little else to employ than an ongoing PSYOPs war. We talked about that, about the PSYOPs war last time. And we expect some official foot stamping, of course, arbiters will just jump on the opportunity into a guaranteed physical buyer. Now, while it is Russia that's guaranteeing to buy gold at 5,000 uh, rubles per gram, it's nevertheless setting a global benchmark price. Regardless of US efforts to block China bolstering the ruble with gold, there are far too many back channels that flow back into Russia that just simply cannot be blocked. Now, this 5,000 uh, ruble exchange rate is actually trading more. Uh, you, you, if you, anyone looking at that will see that it's actually trading about 200 rubles higher than that. Why? Because there is a uh, uh, there is a, a fee to, uh, to to refine the, the, the gold uh, and, in, and and basically uh, bring it in. So so you'll see that it's pretty much 199 to 200 rubles higher than the benchmark price, whereas the ruble the, uh, the, the spot to ruble price is actually higher than that. Now, you know, these are all the things that we look at. This is what liquidity providers look at, and this is what, what tells us that 
that really this is a, a game on for a much higher price. Now, we're recording this episode uh, two days ago. This will be Friday when you get it. So it'll be two days ago on Wednesday, the 6th of April. And while we have evidence, some official interventions in the ruble, uh, US dollar ruble cross, uh, throughout this week, Russian foreign exchange gold has been trading, as I say, around 200, uh, 200 rubles above the ruble floor into a rising ruble cross rate, regardless of the official interventions. The floor has been netting out to between somewhere around 1920 to 1950 per ounce. Now, that will vary. Uh, depend on the exchange rate. That's why the exchange rate is so important. And that's why officials were trying to attack that exchange rate. But this is why the active, seeing this price and the, and the paper price opening this window to exchange, you know, dollars for gold at a discount, that's why the at-market buyers, remember we talked about at-market buyers, we've talked about them in every episode, uh, and uh, since February the 28th, they have turned up at market at every PM fix. And the arbitrage opportunities of buying this EFP paper gold and demanding delivery and capitalizing on the difference is just far too attractive. Uh, today, liquidity providers are pricing gold at around 1940, which will bolster more at market PM fix attendance. Well, where are we at the moment? Okay, so we're looking at roughly in, in, in futures terms around 1930 at the moment. So it's making it attractive. And the forward curve on this arbitrage trade is anticipating the US dollar cross closer to 70, as we said, that's what the, that's, that is the general consensus, raising the floor really to 2200, even based upon to, uh, on, uh, on an even higher exchange rate, uh, in other words, an even weaker exchange rate. And, and if the arbitrage floor is plus 200 above 5,000 is maintained, then really that equates to around about $2,320 per ounce. So, you know, th this is, <laughs> why are you gonna sit back and not uh, take advantage of a paper market that's offering you uh, gold well below the price. So what we're saying is, look, yes, there's the paper market specs that can get rinsed. And you chase a few averages and, and yes, you can rinse the paper market. But dips from here on will be limited as to how many paper market specs can be rinsed. Insiders do not want to be exposed to physical delivery obligations. It's quite the opposite. They will be seeking to rid themselves of any shorts into this unfactored situation. So really very short term, to answer your question, Shane, we've evidenced official interventions, which in plain vanilla form has driven the gold price floor down at as low as 1870, and that was into non-farm payrolls, and higher uh, in 1920, this is the floor, higher back to around 1920 this week. However, liquidity providers report that sovereign buyers are, as I say, basing 70 as fair value, which prices gold well above the floor, above 2200. The effect on the derivative markets on a gold price above 2000 are not factored in. There's a hell of a lot of year old and more options bets that say that 2000 is where you forced to delta hedge and buy your shorts back. Now, the, the last episode we looked um, forward at the, it, remember we had BIS 
OPEX expiry going to be coming and we, we suggested it was going to be limited to how much paper fluff that could be rinsed out. This is why we assess that inside a short cover is really now limited to what they can rinse without exposing themselves to delivery obligations into uh, options, limiting the downside as paper discounts will be, as I say, capitalized from through the EFP conduit for delivery. Physical supply, I cannot underscore, physical supply is so tight that these swaps of paper physical are now reaching into, this is really important, reaching into the GLD unallocated flywheel. Now, we have not seen this since March 2020. And, and back then, we had everyone on the same side of the table and the, uh, the LBMA came in to, to protect the, the market. Not this time. We have predators, predators coming in and saying, where's my gold so I can play the arbitrage trade? So they're going into this GLD. And we'd be, as we've been highlighting, and obviously this is size, because it, you, know, you have to have size, you have to be a size player to even get delivery through the GLD, through the authorised participants, who are the likes of JP Morgan, etc. Now, we, as we've been highlighting, this paper-to-physical conversion is being driven by sovereign-sized buyers active at every single PM gold fix since late February. So no matter what the price is, this is draining paper market liquidity anywhere near these prices. Andrew, that's amazing. Um, I know the last time uh, on our last episode, a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about how the Basel III fits into the gold revaluation process. You, you talked about how it looks like the uh, BIS implemented the NSFR standards just in time. Can you elaborate on, on that? Yeah, Shane, and this is another thing we've been drawing attention to right since the beginning of the year, since January. The over-the-counter gold liquidity providers, which is namely the too-big-to-fail taxpayer-funded banks, are forced to be Basel III and SFR compliant, uh, leaving the only non-Basel III compliant unallocated ETF flywheel, which is GLD. As I say, now coming into the arbitrage uh, crosshairs. Look, I cannot stress how big a deal this is. The GLD ETF is now under attack, guys. This brings the arbitrage attention to this EFP COMEX conduit that is transiting COMEX prices into, a, into the physically deliverable Achilles heel, where the futures price positions are exchangeable for a deliverable spot gold position. Whereas before it used to be flywheeled, a lot of it was flywheeled into the GLD, that's now being exposed. Now with mainstream media and officials caught wrong-footed and indeed embarrassed by Putin calling the ruble energy trade bluff, and that's underpinned by its exchangeability into gold, once it was realized that Russia really was seeking to place the ruble hedging liability onto the European energy buyers, Officials employed the mainstream media to try and spin that the ruble euro hedge is far too illiquid to maintain. Bloomberg analysts, analysts last Friday, I was listening to them, all coming on one after the other, trying to spin, nodding and spinning. Yes, there's not sufficient liquid forward market, uh, a sufficiently liquid forward market to hedge euro ruble exposure. Yes, that is true, but you're leaving something out. European energy buyers 
will not have sufficient liquidity to hedge this exposure. So officials were spinning that it is this hedging illiquidity will fall back on the Russian suppliers. However, while the liquidity argument is valid, the real hedge lays in the extremely liquid gold market into which Russia has very deep growing liquidity. This is a win-win-win for Russia. Look, I'm not taking sides here, guys. I, you know, this is a terrible co conflict, and, and, I'm, and there's a human side to this. I'm not looking at that. I'm just commenting on how the paper to physical war is coming to a head. So, the, so really, what I'm saying is the other side of the U.S.-European energy trade, we see Russia providing this 30% discount to friendly countries on its oil trade for rubles or gold. Now, if ruble liquidity becomes problematic, buyers will pay in physical gold. Now, this is a condition that will drain the LBMA COMEX of paper gold liquidity. It raises the physical price of gold and benefits both Russia and China. Now, look, we've previously discussed the, the EFP Achilles heel and how it must be defended. This can only be done by allowing the paper price to match the real physical demand, supply demand price or unwinding sanctions, which looks unlikely following recent escalations. However, I must say on last Sunday, we heard Blinken and then followed by uh, the European uh, ministers uh, talking about, well, we will remove sanctions um, if, uh, if, if, the, um, if Russia pulls out. Well, what it is, is this sudden panic to realize you've just been shot in the heart. I mean, this is a massive deal. When you realize what this, this is the attacking, the very core of the whole price management. This is the largest FX management management tool in the world. It is the gold silver cross. So, you know, you short one side, you're long the other. This is and there's bets, huge bets against it. So it's just trying to understand why, why, why it, it is so important to talk about this, uh, allowing the exchange for physical conduit to break again would this time bankrupt the too big to fail taxpayer funded banks in fact so with basel 3 nsfrs forcing liquidity providers to back spot gold with physical remember we saw the hundred dollar spreads between paper and physical witnessed in march 2020 and how those we discussed how they could widen to a thousand dollar spreads easily uh, into a bid only market which would be halted multiple times um and and i mean and, and obviously Ultimately, those those spikes will be ironed out, but it will drive it will drive a bid only market to find an equilibrium price. And once you've reached a certain point, you can't put it back. And it's important because you've been reliant on paper market liquidity and enough paper market players to actually keep the game going. It's being attacked, guys. And this is important as it differentiates COMEX action from what happened in the short squeeze in the illiquid nickel market, which when it did break, had no such market halt buffers, spiking 250% higher in 24 hours until the LME, of course, bowed to official pressure and defaulted on over-the-counter longs. We warned about this last time, but this was a wake-up call for the entire one quadrillion notional value over-the-counter markets. And it was the fracturing of this mechanism in March 2020 that began to trigger a nickel-like over-the-counter market short squeeze. But because officials were able to step in and, av and avert a CME default, the too-big-to-fail market banks were saved. But this 
brings silver into focus. Well, now you, you got my attention, Andrew. I know just before we started recording this episode, you had mentioned the connection between exactly what you just said there, silver and what happened in the nickel market. Can you maybe share with our audience uh, what's happening here? It's fascinating. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of uh, I, I, everything mainstream is trying to is trying to divorce this what happened there and silo it from what's going on anywhere. No way. Following successful. See, see, look, this follows successful lobbying efforts years ago. Uh, in fact, it was last year to block transparency in the metals markets. The over the counter metals market has come under growing focus following this nickel squeeze. I wish they, they wished it hadn't happened. And while the focus is on what happened following the nickel short squeeze, the lack of regulation in the multi-trillion dollar over-the-counter markets and the exposure leading into the too-big-to-fail taxpayer-funded banks, banks for all the metals is now back on the table. Now, the Bank of England, FCA, will investigate governance markets oversight and risk management after the largely self-regulated LME admitted it had, get this, no visibility of the large over-the-counter short position in the nickel market prior to March the 8th. Now, this is exactly the same situation with COMEX and related SLV and GLD ETFs, which are riddled with bilaterally settled, unbacked, over-the-counter short positions. Our focus is on the vulnerability of the COMEX and SLV silver paper hedging mechanism and the equally unbacked, large, highly leveraged, over-the-counter position concentration currently wagging the tail of the silver physical market. Now, lifting this smaller LME stone exposes an exponentially larger naked short over-the-counter position in silver. And this week, we evidence the primary lessor of the reported OCC Bank of America lopsided derivative bets uh, and of the, uh, of the, that was the Bank of America, if you remember, um, exposed JP Morgan and Standard Chartered as the largest counterparties, both of which are trying to scurry out of the light by exiting position concentration in the base metal space. However, the outflow of, of paper market liquidity will impact all over-the-counter metals markets it's got the attention of the Bank of England and the FCA. And given unregulated, unbacked over-the-counter longs are hedging unbacked paper short silver positions, it's going to spill into all exchanges, including COMEX and SLV, especially the SLV COMEX paper silver flywheel. Now, for its part, the LME scrambling has agreed to increase transparency and uh, in its markets by forcing members to disclose off exchange over the counter positions with their clients. Hey, that's never been done before. And it's and it, it has been doing this in the nickel um, nickel market since mid-March, but it will now extend to all metals. They appointed an independent party and it's an independent party to conduct a full forensic research of trading leading to the disciplinary action and the market reform. Okay, sounds like gobbledygook, but it is. It, it really is an independent one. And, and we've done some checking uh, with our contacts that suggest that this will be independent. Now, the LME has also agreed to strengthen its governance by appointing ad additional independent directors, according to, so according to what they were saying, this is what they put in writing. 
I mean, I, I'm always suspicious of, of uh, when a director's appointed. But anyway, um, from, from what we've seen in the LME, uh, L, LBMA for many years. But look, this is undoubtedly what has sparked very credible rumours on Monday, a couple of days ago, that JP Morgan also wants to call in its Bank of America lease positions before an inevitable short squeeze is triggered in silver. Why would you want to be in this trade now? And if you remember, it was back a couple of years, 2000, I think it was a couple of years ago, three years ago now, following these meetings we had with the Treasury, the, the head of the FCA, uh, the Bank of England. Uh, in fact, that was Andrew Bailey at the time, who was the head of the FCA at the time before he became a Bank of, uh, Bank of uh, uh, England uh, governor. Um, and we had our MP, uh, Jeremy Lafloy, acting as a witness. The FCA admitted that this EFP, the EFPs are a completely unregulated conduit. But realising the potential of the too-big-to-fail bank derivative exposure, which we read, was read out in Parliament, it called in the heads of the LBMA to demand reporting on the, 14, on the uh, less than 14-day rollovers, which we talked about in, in, in previous episodes. Um, but in other words, you can just roll stuff on and on and on without any uh, form of um, without any form of, of uh, disclosure. Um, now, so so putting this EFP tool into the regulators' crosshairs, it removes the primary tool for the insiders and officials to settle non-delivery obligations in the unregulated over-the-counter market. The reason these contracts are flown under the radar is that in plain vanilla form. EFPs are simply the squaring of a simultaneous buy and sell order. However, it is the smoke and mirrors over the counter squaring leg that is in question. EFPs offer up some legitimate arbitrage opportunities, and that's why they still exist. But the majority of the massive tonnage volumes transact when it makes zero sense to utilize this EFP conduit. It is the COMEX to over the counter conduit that finally is now under scrutiny. Uh, particularly the unreported over-the-counter flywheel. Now, during the seven months into the EFP blow-up, that's when it was when we went into Parliament, seven months before March 2020, um, we had formally drawn regulators' attention to the loophole, exposing the UK banks to potentially trillions of dollars of naked short derivative positions, exactly what is just exposed uh, in, the, in the nickel uh, blow-up. Of course, little was done. Um, and of course, the March 2020 EFP implosion finally triggered the action to shut the EFP loophole. It is still open, but it is, but, but by, by, by the BIS implementing Basel III NSFRs in January, it was essentially started to be contained. So the LBMA is... Let's face it, the Achilles heel and is still exposed as the directly related spot index positions can and will be demanded for delivery in London. Ultimately, this is bullish for the US dollar price gold, regardless of the scramble to hold gold down and regardless of geopolitical escalations. So Shane, really, to sum up, in the very short term gold action, following Putin signing off the ruble for gas, energy, oil, and now including the whole commodity trade, Officials are undoubtedly intervening in the ruble US dollar cross. However, liquidity is limited, as we've explained, and selling paper gold post the PM fix to leverage this play, which we see regularly, is destined to backfire in both 
gold and silver futures, which are now deliverable. Also, liquidity providers representing active sovereign buyers currently price spot at, as we say, 2200 and will continue to buy EFP-derived spot gold positions for physical delivery. In addition, given the ruble energy trade will build momentum, most are pricing in the forward exchange rate closer to 70 to 1, which prices it well above 2000 So the gold floor is not even on the radar of most US-centric traders, siloed to the casino, but explains why insiders quickly run out of spec paper market long stop short cover. In other words, they need short cover. So you only sell and pull bids to get short cover. You don't want to take on that naked short position yourself because it's a very strong demand physical market driven by a wide open gold window to secure physical gold sub 2200. Officials know this. It, it, Andrew, finally, I just wanted to ask you a question. I know it seems that between you know episodes, two weeks at a time, people are now holding their breath, waiting for what's coming uh, next. What, what are you seeing further out? Let's call it into the, the second quarter here of 2022. Yeah, a great question. Um, yeah, looking at the wider picture, Shane, based upon officially reported central bank physical gold inflows alongside um, long-standing central bank uh, banned gold outflows, which have been in place many, many, even they even banned scrap gold exports, if you remember, before, uh, before the, um, the, the escalations. Uh, Russia, much like China, has been buying up all domestic gold production, accumulating large physical gold uh, reserves ahead of these anticipated san sanctions. Now, while there's a lot of good analysis that supports empirical evidence that China's true central bank holdings are multiples of what is officially reported, so it is with Russia. Most analysts aggregate the PBOC's physical accruals somewhere between a staggering 25 to 30,000 unencumbered physical tons. I'm not the only one. I'm somewhere in that middle. This does not include bullion that citizens have been encouraged to invest in their savings supported by a Chinese put to protect these investments. So they, they, they weren't going to let the price uh, they weren't going to injure their citizens by letting the price drop too far anyway. Now, we've got to remember also, while the focus is on Russia-centric nuclear sanctions, it shouldn't be forgotten that a wide range of US-China sanctions also already exist, and there's always a threat of more. And what happened to Russia is being viewed everywhere by every other central bank, including China, as Hmm, maybe it ain't so it isn't it is risky to hold a treasury um, or dollars. However, you know, really very little has been actually reported regarding these undisclosed central bank Russian central bank reserves. Now, we previously contended based upon close to three years of information gathered from very, very well connected liquidity provided who are actually exposed to the Russian gold markets that unreported uh, Russian central bank gold reserves, mostly sourced through Dubai, Africa, as well as their own production, are best estimates also significantly higher than officially reported, probably at best estimate around 14,000 tons. Now, Russia and China have a gold trading alliance, and these aggregated reserves dwarf the combined reserves of every other combined central bank. Now, more importantly, Russia's central bank gold hoard alone is likely some 75% larger than the US's. 
But unlike the US, and we have plenty of empirical evidence following the ability to repatriate 300 tons of German reserves, um, that, that we, we, we believe that they're, they're rehypothecated to some degree, to what degree we don't know. But likely this has been squandered and, uh, and, and there's been a huge squandering and rehypothecation of its 8,100-odd tons of gold reserves. Now, look, Russia has built a war chest, very large, of very large, unrehypothecated physical gold reserves. Not a single ounce of incoming physical gold needs to be sold here. The irony of the sanctions is that the ruble is, in effect, become the stable, becoming the stable currency of choice. Not even accounting for the unknown but increasing at-capacity oil for gold trade. Uh, we're talking 400 million a day in ruble-denominated uh, gas sales, a billion in oil trades. Uh, look, the ruble's going to rise, and the gold hoard and the price will rise with it because they're, integrate, they're intricately linked. And we consistently evidence insiders scrambling to try and stem paper market gold liquidity flowing out of the casino into a guaranteed physical buyer. And while this cannot be seen to be occurring above the table, it is occurring by way of exchanging physical gold with Russia for the energy trade. And let's provide a little context. I mean, according to the World Economic Forum, Europe alone consumed 108 billion of energy from Russia last year. That's according to the World Economic Forum, which is at 5,000 rubles per gram of gold equates to a very close to over, well, in fact, it's over 2,000 tons of gold, even at 83, which is the exchange rate is actually better than that. So really, this is, this is a huge amount of gold to come out of the market to go to Russia. Now, given this also occurs at a discount to the US dollar euro uh, price uh, on, on um, uh, uh, priced oil, this makes the gold for oil exchange even more attractive, further forcing the conversion of paper gold into physical on dips. And as we relayed from liquidity providers, that was four weeks ago, Russia is now openly employing the nuclear option of pegging the ruble to gold. This is massive. And it's gonna backfire against all the half-baked sanctions and will drain the LBMA and the COMEX of paper gold unless they allow the paper price to gold to rise above the floor or remove the sanctions, which seems unlikely because they've boxed themselves in. So finally, while uh, swap dealers usually offset short bets uh, with over-the-counter longs, and I'm referring to the COT reports here, so just those guys that look at that, um, the extreme tightness in the physical market and the rising of the gold floor coming very close to the, to the options-related dip recently, it caught them out as GLD begins to be the only source of sovereign size demand available. Now, given this GLD flywheel is not, flywheel is not Basel III compliant, the authorized participants will have to call in leases and force physical allocations. This is an extremely bullish setup onto the wrong-footed specs for this quarter, Jane. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Andrew McGuire, Talking Gold. And remember, uh, everyone, buy physical, understand the difference uh, between what Andy affectionately calls the casino paper gold and silver markets and the actual physical gold and silver markets. They're not the same. Don't be fooled. And there you have it. That's all we have for you today with another, I told you, fascinating episode of Live from the Vault. So please 
help keep uh, keep spreading the word about this channel by liking, by sharing, by hitting that subscribe button, and click on that bell if you'd like to be notified as each episode goes live. So with that, we'll see you next time on Live from the Vault. See you then.